Welcome to Wall Street Weekly, a show where your hosts, George and Patrick, cut through the financial jargon to keep you educated and informed about the markets that affect our lives. Enjoy the show. You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. This is a Wall Street Weekly special report as we are covering the United Auto Workers strike. Tonight is September 14th. We're recording this right after Sean Fain's announcement at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And Sean Fain, the leader of the United Auto Workers Union, has just officially laid out his strategy as to how the labor strike is to play out. And for this story, I'm not alone. I'm joined by Patrick Scott, my co-host, along with Joe Calazzi, formerly of Elephants in the Room. Formerly Joe. of Elephants in the Room. You you have me up way past my bedtime, and you're going to say that my show is already kaputz, as they say? Like, come on. Okay, Joe Calazzi of Elephants in the Room, and then we got Patrick Scott. Patrick, welcome to the program. No special intro from me, George. I'm just happy to have Joe here. He's a he's our <laughs> special guest. Joe the living legend. Well, we got a lot to talk about, so let's not uh, waste too much more idle time. Before we get started with the show, we want to remind you that this is for entertainment purposes only. Anything we say here is not financial advice. Now, I'm going to just quick go through a brief recap of our last episode. So essentially, for months, negotiations for both the United Auto Workers Union and the big three automakers which is comprised of Stellantis, Ford, and GM. As a reminder, Stellantis is made up of like Jeep, Dodge, Ram, those types of companies, Chrysler. And they've been negotiating back and forth. The initial demands were pretty ambitious as the United Auto Workers wanted a 40% pay increase, more than that, along with 32-hour work weeks. So I think uh, going to college probably wasn't the right decision if they were to get those demands. However, the automakers kind of found themselves not really a position of strength at the at the negotiating table. Just a few facts here. The United Auto Workers leader, Sean Fain, has thrown formalities into the wind and has been very vocal about his stances on specific offers, which is really rare. A lot of these negotiations go on in private, but he's been willing to tear up offers on his Facebook live stream. He's even refused to shake hands with management. Many consider him to be a wild card. Yeah, and some of his re- uh, more recent Facebook live um, live streams, he's had a, a trash can in the background with a bunch of crumpled up papers in it, and it's labeled Big Three Proposals. So yeah, he, he's pretty intense. Now, in addition to that, the UPS Teamsters Union, I don't know if you guys remember this, about a month ago, they got a big win on July 25th when UPS agreed to increase wages by over 40%, 46% over five years, which means the average full-time driver will make $170,000 in wages by 2027. We definitely made a bad decision going to college. <laughs> yeah. Um, the big three automakers, though, are already paying 30 to 40% an hour more in labor compared to a company such as Tesla because they haven't been able to automate their factories as quickly and they're paying more for labor already because of the union structure. They would have much less of a competitive advantage were labor negotiations to go through. So as we look at the current state of affairs, GM today offered a 20% pay increase over four years and was turned down. Allegedly, the UAW is still seeking wage increases in the mid-30% range, though Sean Fain hasn't come out to confirm or deny these. However, they discussed a new strategy that we really haven't seen in the history of strikes, so I'll turn it over to Patrick as he discussed what that might look like. Yeah, so tonight, Sean Fain called for a stand-up strike. He called on three specific plants from each of the big three companies, Ford, GM, and Stellantis. He called a 
just a little segment of each company to stand up and walk out at midnight. He called on GM, the plant in Wentzville, Stellantis in Toledo, and the Ford Michigan assembly line, which is Detroit. But obviously that's so huge that you can't just call the whole thing all at once or the strategy won't really work. And we'll get more into the specifics of why. But they called just on the final assembly in the paint sector in the Detroit plant to stand up and, and walk out at midnight tonight. George Anjo, what, what are the specifics of like the stand up? Yeah. Yeah, so the idea is for so many employees, and I think there's about 150,000 or so that are in part of this union, based on their strike fund, they can only last for about three months if they have ever in walkout. And I think there's a little concern there. The big three will be able to outweigh them for that long. So the idea is that if you have very specific but critical components not manufactured, Ford, Stellantis, and GM, they're still paying the rest of the employees that show up to work, and they're not depleting that strike fund, yet it's still hurting Ford, GM, and Stellantis enough where they want to get these negotiations through, and it puts a lot of pressure um, to cave to UAW's wage negotiations. One of the big reasons that I brought Joe on this show is to talk maybe a little about the incentive structures or the policies that have kind of led up to this point from more of the political aspect. Well, thank you, George. So, I mean, yeah, as you guys have duly noted, and as was confirmed to us tonight, negotiations have been uniquely challenging in this in this strike, not only because of the unorthodox nature of it, but it's unlike past negotiations, the UAW has not selected a single automaker. You know, we learned tonight that that's because that they're planning on a simultaneous strike on all three, where in the past, for two, in 2019, for example, they, uh, in reaching a deal with General Motor, who's structured for workers uh, of varying tenure, deals with Ford and Fiat Chrysler at the time soon followed. So this is definitely an unorthodox situation that they find themselves in. Coming in from the policy perspective, uh, the situation has proved tricky for even Commander-in-Chief Joe Biden, uh, who has called himself the, quote, most pro-union president in history. He he seems to think, and White House officials seem to think, uh, that allowing the situation to escalate, perhaps to the extent that it will come midnight tonight, is very likely to harm the economy. Uh, Anderson Economic Group estimating that a strike against all three of these companies would mean a $5 billion hit to the economy as a whole, if this strike were to persist for 10 days. And as Fain made himself clear tonight, he very much has the intention, if that's the case, to make sure that that happens. And I think for all of us who listened to the live stream, and there was like 40,000 people on there, Sean Fain really came off as committed to this strike that he wasn't going to back down. And maybe that's just a facade. But I, I really felt that he wasn't willing to back down to these big three in any capacity. So I, I could definitely see this stretching on for a while. Yeah, and that's definitely got to be part of his negotiation style is just come out strong. And eventually, maybe when you when you get close to something that you like, you know, then you'll be able to compromise. As you said, he's definitely on the United Auto Workers side. He, he said in the live stream that he's going to be on the front lines, on, on the picket line at midnight tonight in Detroit. You know, we'll probably be seeing a lot of pictures with his face around in, in the next few days well i think the uh the the big thing is that like this is a a particularly sensitive aspect because this uniquely will be passed on to the consumer you have economic groups who are suggesting that the biggest uh hit felt by the economy in this strike is going to be felt by the increase in consumer prices uh, across the board. I mean, the Bureau of Labor Statistics already noting that uh, in the month of September, vehicle prices have rose nearly uh, 0.3% alone. And uh, that's like on top of a 2.9% increase in the past year. 
you're right. I think that his face is going to be everywhere. But as these consumer prices are going to increase, his whole uh, spiel about workers' rights, and I think he said uh, securing social justice for these workers, I'm not sure how in the public that's going to be viewed in a favorable light, especially if they're taking the bulk of the attacks that he seems to be aiming at these big three companies. Well, as of right now, it looks like the strikes are actually pretty popular. A Gallup poll done from August 1st to August 23rd found that about 80% of Americans who were surveyed were in favor of the United Auto Workers. You know, definitely public perception could shift the longer this drags on, but seems to be almost a resurgence of support for unions. Under the age of 35, there's widespread support among that age demographic. Approximately 89% of people in that demographic support unions to some extent. Yeah, and this, I think this connects back to what you're saying about the United Parcel Service, UPS, and how they got, you know, such a high wage. And I think people are starting to sense a pattern here. I was, I was looking at the comments, the YouTube live stream comments of one of the other Sean Fain interviews, and all of them were very pro Sean Fain and everything. They were like, oh, yeah, we support you. Where, where can we donate online? Yeah, just a lot of comments about this is going to in- increase pay for employees everywhere. Employers are going to have to pay their people more now. And this is a good thing, objectively. Joe will talk about it a little more, but the, the Biden administration is kind of stuck in this weird place where, yes, you want to be pro-union, you want to be pro-worker. But at the same point, like you said, this might have an adverse effect on the economy, which already people have been looking for cracks ever since probably the yield curve inverted, which basically means that you're getting higher returns on short-term debt than long-term debt, suggesting inflation for the short term. You know, maybe this is something that those people who don't like Biden or who are bearish on the market right now can really take advantage of. Well, I think uh, the White House's whole strategy has been predicated on the fact that these union presidents, and it's super easy to be the most pro-union president, for example, when you know what their strategy is, when you know how they're going to affect the change that they're hoping to uh, hoping to see in some of these companies. But the problem with Fain is that he has been, uh, like you said, Patrick, a, a wild card from the beginning. He has been, it's kind of been expected, but not anticipated to the extent that he's bringing it, that he proposed to bring it tonight to have these strategic strike, strikes against all three of these major companies at the same time. And I think that that's something that the White House is not necessarily capable, even having the most pro-union president or whatever, they're not necessarily capable of handling or foreseeing the economic consequences that this is going to have. The White House is still trying to get their their boots wet with knowing this this guy, knowing who Sean Fain is. You know, Fain recently stated that he already has targeted a strike plan for stop, like a complete stoppage of work at select locations um, if no deal has been reached by Friday. And it seems that that clock is ticking now. Fain actually recently visited the White House in July to discuss his negotiating strategy with the Biden administration. But uh, despite these talks with the administration and Joe Biden uh, on Labor Day, the White House is worrying there's not a clear enough read on Fain's leadership style and uh, negotiating tactics to discern what exactly his strategy is going forward. Biden recently said, quote, no, I'm not worried about a strike until it happens. He also then later went to doubt that a strike would ever happen, but it's seeming more and more likely as we uh, head to that midnight deadline that that is in fact going to be the case. To this statement, however, Fain said that he was apparently shocked by Biden's reaction, saying, quote, 
I appreciate the president's optimism, and I hope that the big three will come to their senses and start bargaining in good faith, but we are uh, ready to do whatever is necessary come September 15th if they don't. Uh, that's kind of spooky. But, you know, for now, Biden seems focused on having auto manufacturers and the union come to an agreement before the strike gets out of hand, you know, after that sort of 10-day cycle that economists are forecasting is going to have the biggest effect on the economy to preserve whatever image of an okay economy that he thinks he has. I mean, obviously, this is important for a number of factors for policymaking for his upcoming 2024 presidential run. He's been running on his Bidenomics strategy about how we allegedly have a fantastic economy and, you know, Fain's unorthodox leadership style seems to be a little bit of a, uh, a block in the road for that moving forward. Yeah. And it's interesting that you talked about how weird of a situation this is with Sean Fain, because we've never seen a big three auto strike before. As many strikes as we have had, we haven't had three simultaneously. Um, so I think this is a good opportunity for Patrick if you want to talk about some of the historical strikes and maybe some of the impacts that they've had. Yeah, so when I was researching this, I went online and looked at the whole list of all the major strikes that happened over the years. And and, and it said one funny thing, the, the very first strike that it listed was in like 1300 B.C., it was a it was a tomb builder strike in ancient Egypt. Ooh, hey, maybe that's why they started putting people in pyramids. Who knows? Yeah, but uh, recently, with some strikes that have happened with companies that are publicly traded, there was a John Deere strike from October to no November in 2021, and it's also noted that these employees are also involved in the United Auto Workers um, Union. Union actually, a lot of employees that are not even related to auto works are in the UAW, such as there was a HarperCollins strike in 2022 and 2023. They're a book publisher, right? They're a book publisher and wow. they're, they're in the UAW, or at least 250 that went on strike were. But yeah, back to John Deere. During the time of this strike, if we're looking at their stock price, it jumped up by $10 over the course of the month. Basically, it wasn't like a, a rapid jump or anything it was just like regular growth and, and what percent change would have that been i think around three percent okay so i mean either way it didn't seem to differ too much from the general stock market performance no i mean the the stock was had had been fairly volatile at least in in around the three percent area for for a few months then so it was nothing out of the out of the ordinary do you think that could be a result of you know passing some of these losses that they're getting because i mean this is going to adversely affect uh, these big three companies. Uh, John Deere, John Deere, in that example as well. Um, you know, obviously these demands are going to cut into the revenues that these companies expect, and we're looking at economic forecasting suggesting that regardless of the impact that they're going to have on the stock, this is going to result in some sort of an increase in consumer prices, uh, at the very least in the short term. And I'm wondering if like some of those. I guess at the at the very least, what you can say is that like they have no these strikes are having no effect on the individual stock performance of these companies. If that might be because see, they seem to be passing these losses on to the consumers in forms of price increases, et cetera. And I'm wondering if like that may have an adverse effect on the strike itself, because if you can make the case that, oh, the strike is the reason why, you know, your Ford Bronco is I don't know how much it is, like sixty thousand dollars now instead of. 54. I, I'm wondering if the outlook, the, the overwhelmingly positive view 
that these strikes seem to be getting is going to diminish, if not fade away altogether. Yeah, and I, I think that definitely could be the case. Um, at least what we've seen in the past, though, is that it could negatively impact a company's business or even a stock price. It's just factored in so far beforehand, right? Because if I'm an investor and my full-time job is to study John Deere, I know maybe even a year in advance, labor talks are coming due based on what's happened in the past. They're going to get a 30% wage increase. Plus, we trust John Deere's management to make the right calculations to not let workers strike too much, but also let them strike enough where we're in a we're in a better position for negotiation. So I think overall, if you're going to look at the impact, it, it's really difficult because, you know, people are factoring this in way earlier than a week before or a day beforehand. And you probably see the same thing with Ford, too. I mean, in fact, this week, Ford and GM stock, they're both up much more than the market overall. I want to say five or six percent. And I think a lot of that is people were concerned or investors were concerned that people would cave to Sean Fain with his high 30 percent wage targets. And they're at least a little happier now. Now, it remains to be seen how long the strike goes on, but that they can get much lower than that. They're not just going to cave immediately. So, I mean, it's really hard to know as investors and we talked about the efficient market hypothesis in one of our past episodes, that all public information is factored in. Now, you can agree on different levels with that, but I think for the most part, the market has done a pretty good job pricing for this event. And I'm starting to wonder if um, it's something that, you know, the companies are are doing to adjust their stock prices when these things happen. Like, you know, the, the damage isn't really done on the surface um, with these strikes. Is Is it possible, George, do you think that Companies are start starting to, when strikes are happening, they buy back shares and then, you know, there's value in scarcity when there's fewer shares on the market, then that increases the price. I haven't really seen evidence for that necessarily. I don't know if, or if you've seen anything that I haven't, but, but I think it would be kind of an unpopular move when you have so many financial struggles to start buying back your own shares. And for those of you listening, the reason that makes it more valuable for investors is when you buy a share, it's like you buy a really small slice of the pie. And when the company buys those shares back, your slice becomes slightly bigger. Uh, but I, I don't I haven't seen evidence of that happening. However, for example, UPS has been down 12% since their deal compared to 1% for FedEx. So maybe a deal of that magnitude could have uh, a negative impact. It seems like UPS kind of caved pretty early relatively to um, Ford, Stellantis and GM. But you could also see loss of customers who are worrying about the supply chain. If I need vans, I don't want to buy vans from Ford if I don't know when I'm going to get them, when the strike is going to be over. Um, so it's really hard. There's a thousand different variables to factor in what's the long-term damage of this. But Yeah, and also it's pretty tough when we're um, considering, you know, the examples that I get, the example that I gave of John Deere, you know, that's one company. And I'm not sure what the numbers or the proportions were of how many employees walked out. But with this one, I believe the number um, I read somewhere is at 150,000 employees total for those three companies at those plants. Not the ones that are going to walk out tomorrow morning. No, but, but all, all of all, all of included, the employees yeah, okay. in the U.S. Yeah, and 146 of the 150,000 are planning to walk out of three companies, the biggest car companies in America. So that has to have a much greater impact than just one company, you know, half their employees are walking out. Yeah, and like we talked about, it remains to be seen how big of a scale um, this goes to. 
it could be that we record this tonight and by tomorrow morning our analysis is all outdated because they come to it an agreement and that would probably be a good a good case scenario everything is happy all is well that ends well but that remains to be seen i know this was an unconventional episode of wall street weekly where we didn't talk as much about investing but we really think it's an important story especially uh for for michigan as we are a michigan-based radio station that are really going to see the impact of these strikes so i want to take this opportunity to thank joe for coming on the show Really appreciate your analysis and the different perspective you brought today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm, I I like your guys' advice, but I think I'm going to continue to invest in junk bonds until I see a, <laughs> a, a positive return. <laughs> George, what's a junk bond? <laughs> junk bond is a very risky debt instrument that Joe probably shouldn't be taking out. So yeah, this is not financial name. advice. I'm sorry, a, a high-yield investment. Sorry. <laughs> well, I think this is time to end the show before Joe gets us in trouble with the SEC Thank you for listening to Wall Street Weekly on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FN. If you've missed any of our previous episodes, you can find them on Twitter now called X at Wall Street Pod. This is Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FN.